You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Uh, my name is Josh Gray. I get the privilege of being the lead servant at this church, and it is an honor and privilege uh, to be able to do that. And I'm so excited to be here and healthy and happy and uh, to share with you our finishing touches on our quick skip across the book of Acts. Um, Acts 29, it's not in your Bible, but it's in your life. Acts 29 is our chapter that we are writing, that we are left with. And so I wanted to um, go over a little bit more in Acts 28, but I want you to think about uh, where we have been. And if you missed anything, uh, you can just jump online and catch up on stuff. You know, when I first came to this church, I wanted to figure out and understand what the culture of this church was. And so I came aboard as a community pastor of this church, and I wanted to understand where they had been and where they were, where they were going. And one of the things that I was able to do because of our great technology and cool stuff is I listened to like two sermons a day. It took me a whole hour of my life. And I listened to two sermons a day for about two months and I was able to catch up on quite a few years of where our church had been and what they were like and, and do those things. So we have that all available. You can scroll back a long ways and find out more about our church uh, and, and what, where we've been and where we're going, if that's something. But to, to kind of get you up to speed, if you've missed any uh, weeks here recently, we've been diving into the book of Acts uh, since uh, after Resurrection Sunday. And we've been skipping over it. I was reviewing it. I was like, oh, we went from chapter 4 to chapter 10 to chapter uh, 15. And now we're just going to move our way on to chapter 28. So there's a lot in the book of Acts for us to study and learn. This was not an exhaustive study of it. But it has been good for me to go, here, go through here and understand what does that mean for us today? So let's do a quick review. Uh, the first week we talked about uh, that, that what happened in, in the Acts is empowerment happened empowerment of the Holy Spirit. People were, 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 were released. You and I were released on the kingdom of God to be disciple makers. And then I talked about boldness in week number two. We talked about the boldness of, of Peter. We talked about the boldness of these uh, disciples to go out there and to risk it all to continue to tell this story that was being persecuted and beat down and how boldness is a part of our Christian walk. Then Adam shared about Pentecost and what that really looks like. And he had a great calendar graphic. And we got to kind of see how Jesus' last days lined up with uh, the, the Jewish festivals and holidays. And then he talked about having an unshakable foundation in Acts chapter 4 and 5. And then he continued on with the mission of how Stephen's stoning and what happened with Stephen in uh, Acts chapter 7 and how that stoning caused this kind of uh, this, this explosion of the text to move outside of Jerusalem. And then we followed that up with Peter and Cornelius uh, in, uh, in chapter 10 and how uh, when he went to Caesarea by the sea, Caesarea Maritima, that that's the, the four corners exploded, this idea of the four corners and the dream that Peter had that Gentiles were going to be able to be a part of this discussion too. And this is a big reason why we have the text today. And then last week, we all went on a mission trip with Paul on part of his first mission trip. And I shared with you that you are all on a mission trip. And you didn't have to go anywhere to be on this mission trip. You have a mission in your life. And I asked you some difficult questions that I had been wrestling with. I'm the kind of pastor that like lets you work with the stuff that I've been worked with over week, over the week and give it to you. So sometimes I don't like that. I'm sure you don't either. But they're great questions. Who are you? 
Who are you? And what are you doing here? And I hope you guys were able to wrestle with some of those questions this last week about who you are and what you're doing here. And understanding your purpose and understanding that who you are and what you're doing has a lot to do with the mission that God has you on. So that's where we've been. Today we're going to finish up in Acts. Do you guys want to know where we're going? Like in the future? Like in the next seven weeks? So here's where we're going. We are going to share with you, myself and Adam, um, we're going to share with you our journey to Turkey uh, last September. And we're going to share with you the seven churches that we visited and everything that we can remember and bring out to you guys. We're going to let you experience that trip, except you don't have to do the hiking and stuff. Um, But we're going to let you experience that trip and have the the best understanding as we got that over the next seven weeks so we can understand a little bit more. So really, if you want to do some homework ahead of time, you can uh, be reading the first three chapters of the book of Revelation and, uh, and chewing that apart and seeing that, and you'll, you'll kind of be ahead of where we're going and get really familiar. It was something that uh, our teacher had asked us to, to basically memorize chapters two and three of, those, of, of that book and to understand that so we can dive in and really see what these letters were to these churches. And maybe the Lord has a letter for us in Moscow. And so that's where we're going. Um, brief synopsis of Acts. So we're gonna, if you have brought your Bibles with you, great. If you have your Bible app, we're going to be in Acts chapter 28. Uh, we're going to be in verses 17 to, the, to 31. But let's do a brief synopsis of what happened uh, up to this point so we can kind of get caught up. Paul's done some missionary journey work. And uh, he, his goal was to, he wants to get to Rome. He wants to get to Rome. He wants to get to Rome. And so his goal to get in Rome is like, if Rome gets it, then the, at that time, if Rome gets this idea then the world will get it. It's almost like if America gets back on track and we have the foundations of morality and living a God-centered life and having a a God worldview that we could have great impact on the world. And so, like, if Rome gets it, then the world's going to get it. And so he's efforting to get there. So here's a brief synopsis. The end of chapter 27, they have a shipwreck. He's on his way to Rome. They end up on this uh, shore on this island of Malta. Uh, Paul gets bit by, a, bit, bit by a viper. And the islanders there are like, he must be a murderer. He had it coming to him. And he shakes off the viper and doesn't die. And then they're like, wow, he must be a god. They bring him into their little community. There's a sick guy there. He heals the sick guy. Uh, they take care of him. They provide them wintering quarters for three months. They supply him with everything they need so they can get back on their journey. Um, and then Paul is allowed to live by himself with a Roman guard in Rome when he gets there. So now you're caught up for that little uh, brief synopsis of the first part of Acts chapter 28. Say this word with me. Akalutos. Akalutos. This is the theme of today. Akalutos. To be unhindered. To be able to move freely in your faith and throw off the chains and the things that are holding you back from who you are and what you're doing here to become unhindered in your walk with God. To become unhindered Like Paul just throws these things up. All the stuff that you don't even know that you're carrying right now. 
you can be free of. And when you become unhindered, you become a lot more like the apostle Paul. You become a lot more like somebody who's, who's ready to go and to do the work of the kingdom because you're not worried about the stuff that's dragging you back. You're worried about looking forward. You've heard me use this analogy before. Is the front windshield a lot bigger than the rear view mirror? Right. If, the, if, the, if it was changed in proportion, how would your driving be? Not great. So we are looking forward. doesn't mean we forget what happened in the past, but we are looking forward to what God has for us. So join me, Acts chapter 17, or chapter 28, verse 17. So here they are, they, 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 uh, he's in, in Rome, uh, and he's been chained to this, to this guard. Now, he comes into Rome, and here's what it says. Three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders, and when they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. But the Jews objected. So I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. Now, why can Paul do this? Why can Paul make an appeal to Caesar? It's because of where he was born. In about 171 BC in Tarsus, at that point forward, if you were born and you were a citizen, uh, you were born in Tarsus, you became a citizen of Rome. And so Paul is uh, a citizen of Rome, so he can appeal to Caesar. I love this quote from our uh, Infusion Bible Conference study. Paul had a Greek tongue, a Roman mind, and a Hebrew heart. Paul is perfect for what he was designed to do and for what God had designed him to do, just like all of you are. He could speak to all of these audience. When you talk about exploding the gospel into the world, Paul's your guy. He gets Roman world. He, he is a Jew among Jews. He studied, studied under uh, Gamaliel. He was the best. He was like the best of the best, like Top Gun. It's like the best of the best. Who's the best? Paul. He was, like the, he was awesome. So you understand the Jewish point. Something I skipped over last week, and I was going over my notes again, and you don't really see it in the book of, book of Acts, but there is like a time frame where Paul had to go rebuild his faith. He was the Jew of Jews, very learned man. And depending on how you read Galatians chapter 2 and how you reconstruct that, he spent like 6 to 14 years rebuilding his faith, and we're just like, yep, next chapter. He had to go rebuild who he was. And we'll talk about that in the future this summer, about the reconstruction of our faith. But he had to go rebuild what he knew because he was the coat holder for the stoning of Stephen. He had to go rebuild and understand this Jesus and what that meant. So, continuing on in verse 19. I certainly did not intend to bring any charges against my own people. Who are my own people? The Jews. He considered himself that. I don't want to bring any charges against them. I don't want to cause them burden. I'm trying to free them. I want them to understand who Jesus was. For this reason I have asked to see you and talk to you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. Oh, yeah. 
Let me just start off with the Jesus talk right here. It's because of the hope of Israel. You know that song we sing sometime, I speak Jesus? I speak Jesus over for my family. I speak. He was speaking Jesus when he's talking about the hope of Israel. Verse 21, they replied, we have not received any letters from Judah concerning you. Not yet. Uh, and none of our people who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. Probably pretty different from today, right? Do you guys feel like anybody's talking against this particular faith? Is there persecution brewing up in our world about what you believe and what you can say and what you can't say and how, how, you dare, how dare you be bold about your faith, but we can be bold about ours? Yeah, it sounds kind of familiar. They replied, um, or excuse me, they, they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and he came in with even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God. There's a lot, you know what's new I find as I was going through Acts? There's a lot of this kingdom of God talk. There's a lot of this Holy Spirit talk. For this Holy There's, You just see that theme over and over and over again in Acts. So explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe him. So where's Paul? He's in a home by himself, chained to a Praetorian guard, one of the highest guards of Rome, and they have six-hour shifts, and they go through, and they're, they're taking their time with Paul. But think about this. He's in a home, and people would come to his house, and what would he do? He would talk to them about Jesus, and the numbers started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So run this with me. This is a couple thousand years ago. This is a home group. It's a life group. Can you imagine that many of you today, we have 27 life groups. 38% of our folks that come to this inside service are in a life group. Can you imagine that you're carrying on the legacy of what Paul started in his home in Rome and you're carrying that on in your house? What are you talking about in your house when folks are coming over? What are you talking about with your life group? Are you talking about the kingdom of God? Are you talking about the gospel, the good news, and how it's spreading? Are you guys getting excited and fired up because you're doing life together, and all of a sudden there's, there's people that are coming into your life group that need Jesus, or coming into church that need Jesus? What's this church's vision? We're here to reach the world for Jesus. One person at a time, you guys are getting pretty darn good at this. It's probably because we say it a couple times, right? And when we reach these people one person at a time, what's, oh, cool, they're saved. We, conver we converted somebody. They're, going, they're not going to hell. Good luck. That's where it begins. In this church, that's where it begins. Because our mission is to make biblical disciples. We're all making disciples. Our mission is to make Biblical disciples talking about this book, talking about how this book can change and mold and move you 
in relational environments. This is not the best relational environment. This is someone talking at you, unfortunately. But you and 10 of your friends sitting there doing life, chewing up the text and and going through this and saying, yeah, but what about this? And yeah, but what about this? And yeah, and what about this? Well, how does this apply to your work situation? How does this apply to your brother-in-law? How does this apply to your family? How does this apply to my marriage? Now we're cooking. Have you ever thought that your home group or your life group could be the place where the kingdom of God continues to expand on what Paul did. Thousands of years ago, he's sitting in his home in Rome and the very kingdom of God is still expanding from what he talked about. Verse 25, they disagreed among themselves and they began to leave after Paul had made his final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors he, uh, when he said through the Isaiah the prophet. So this is Paul like, all right. Let me give you a little Isaiah. Paul quoting the text. Go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You, you can hear stuff, but you don't get it. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts. In turn, I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. When I was reading this earlier and studying this week, I was like, yeah, that's me. What's up? I'm a listener. And then the Lord really didn't let it sit there, unfortunately, because that wasn't very humble. And so this week, as I started to think more about this section of the text, I had to ask myself some questions, and I'm going to happily hand those questions off to you. I had to ask myself some questions. Since I'm the Gentile who's supposed to listen, and these are some of the questions I ask myself. God, where am I hearing but not really understanding you? Where in your life do you think you might be just hearing the words of God but you're not You're not letting them fall into your heart and into your lifestyle. God, where am I seeing you with my eyes, but I'm twisting it and I'm not perceiving it your way? God, where is my my heart hardened towards you? Where am I calloused? Where have I been gifted in the gift of criticism? Where I've become more of a critic than an encourager of folks? Where have I become, uh, where I'm missing the heart of who you are and what you would have for the kingdom of God and my part in it? I think that's one of the things that I 
I'm learning that I have to be very careful of in my, in my role and, and even in my, in my past roles uh, in the corporate world. Seems like there's this battle to continue to try and harden my heart. To make me calloused against the things of this world. And one of the things that, that happens to me is I need to let other people in to examine the hardness of my heart. And sometimes we have to do a little chisel work. And fortunately, I have some good brothers and sisters that are, help me, chisel off some of the hardness of my heart. By encouraging me to be in God's word, not for a sermon, not to preach some message, but to soften my heart. I hope you have people in your life that you are letting examine your heart and your soul. Because it is easy to become calloused. It is easy to become judgmental. It's easy to not think the best of people. To think that they're out to get you, that they're out to take from you, that they're, that they're you know, driving fast and looking out for number one. But I don't see that that's the way of Jesus. He would see the best in people. Then I got a bonus question that came this morning as I was reviewing my stuff and praying and preparing for today's message. Not on the notes. Where do I need to be healed? I would imagine that everybody sitting in here could possibly have some wounds that you haven't either allowed to be healed, hasn't been revealed to you that you are wounded there. But a healing person heals other people. Because you become an example. And a hurting person, or you have hurt people, hurt people. And so who's responsible to go into the inventory of your life? If we're going to be Acts 29, if we're going to be unhindered, do you have any hooks that are hindering your heart? Do you have some hard spots on your heart that God needs to work through and kind of get loosened up a little bit? And he's going to use other people. He's going to use his word. He's going to, I mean, today somebody might have had some hardness of their heart fall off by worshiping God. Amen? By the music, by the songs that we sang, you became a little bit more pliable in the kingdom of God. So I encourage you guys to ask yourself that question. Lord, reveal to me where I need to be healed. I've asked some really tough questions the last couple of weeks of all of you. Who are you? What are you doing? And God, where do I need to be healed? Where am I, where am I, where am I, am I kind of tensing up at? Let's finish off this fabulous uh, text that God gave us, chapter 30. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Can you imagine the guards on the rotation? They're like, oh yeah, I got Paul. All right, hook him up. He's going to talk to me for six hours. Going to preach my. You, know, either you could have that viewpoint of it, right? But there's something in Philippians that actually tells us 
that something happened that was pretty cool in regards to, the, to, these, uh, to these Roman guards. And it's at the end of Philippians in chapter 4, not in your notes, bonus content. It's in the final greetings. So Philippians chapter 4, if you want to write that in your notes. Uh, greeting, uh, greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Well, how do those folks know about Jesus for two years rotating through the guard rotation? Do you think a Praetorian guard had influence? Of course they did. And maybe they're not wanting to get to leave. Maybe they're so enamored by Paul, the guy comes in and he's like, hey, I'll take a double shift here. I'll take another six hours if you don't mind. We're in a hot discussion right now. I got lots of questions. You go home and enjoy time with your family. Just keep me chained to this guy. You see, Paul is unhindered. Let's continue on verse 31. He proclaimed the kingdom of God. Are we ending this whole thing with the kingdom of God again? He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Akalutos. How can you become unhindered? See, Paul, we look at Paul and we're like, oh, he's stuck for two years in a house and he's chained to a guard because they're trying to figure out what to do with him. And Paul's like, I'm in the perfect spot. I have a captive audience. Right where I am, I can preach the gospel to people that don't know it. Right where I am, I'm not even going to get killed right here right now because I got one of those big, tough guards with me. And he used his opportunity of being in prison that many of us would look at as a disadvantage and he was like, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And you're right where you're supposed to be. Right in your job, right where you work, right where you, uh, where you live, work, and play. You are exactly where God wants you to be. And people are looking at you. And they're like, well, what does Jesus look like? Oh, he must be a servant because this guy's a Christian and he's always serving. Oh, this guy's a Christian. He's always super generous. I've never, why are you so generous? I've never met somebody that's that generous. Wow, why do you do that? Doesn't make sense. That's not good for your 401k. Because they're not worried about their 401k. They're casting off all of these things that are coming upon them to be unhindered for the kingdom of God because they know that we are here but a whiff of time, but God's legacy lives on. And we're part of the legacy team. You can become unhindered. Do you have a reason to be bold? What does it look like for you? You know, I find that I'm really bold in things that I'm confident about. Anybody else find you're confident about something? You're like, yeah, I'll talk to you about that. I got it. I'm an expert in that field. Let me tell you a quick story about our staff retreat. We had a staff retreat last week and we needed it. It was 65% fun and 35% equipping. I don't know if this would qualify in the fun or equipping category, but here's something that we did that made me think of boldness. 
We, uh, so there's 14 of us, uh, 13 of us there. We're still praying for Brian Bretzman. He's sick, but we're still praying for him that God will continue to heal him. There's 13 of us there. And one of the activities that I came up with was called uh, karaoke roulette duet. And so everybody has to take a turn, even Greg, who recorded things illegally. Greg, get his phone, we'll have to break it. Um, and so uh, we would draw that you'd go first. And we made, uh, I think we made, I can't remember who we made go first. Some of you had to go first. And then they got to pick who went next, but you had to draw your partner. It's totally random of who your partner was. And so I'm, I'm up. I draw my song. This is so funny if you were here like in the last like 10 weeks. I draw my song. Not all Christian songs, by the way. I don't know. Just so you know. We were having, we were, we were having fun outside of Christian songs. And I draw my song. I got friends in low places, Garth Brooks. Woo! Draw my partner, Carrie Gray. It was, everything was awesome about it except for the singing. I, I didn't have to look at the words on the screen because I was like, I got this. And I, we're, we're like, we're dancing, we're doing our thing. But I was really confident because I knew the song and I could be bold in my singing. Now, when Mitch and I sang a love song together, I was not as bold. I was not as confident. When Laura and Logan sang, Do You Want to Build a Snowman? It was a great moment. But the things that you're confident in, you can be bold in, you can be unhindered to do what God has called you to do. So as we wrap up this book of Acts that we went through very quickly, I want to go over some overarching themes of this book. And I love the verbiage from the, uh, the Bible project. And I, I changed some of it. But this is what the book of Acts is about. How God's kingdom came on earth through Jesus and his spirit and his church. How God's kingdom came on earth through Jesus, his spirit, and his church is launched. It's about examples of faithfulness to King Jesus. Stephen was pretty faithful, wasn't he? It cost him everything. And as you go through and see that your faith can cost you something. But what it costs you is nothing compared to what it's worth. Sharing the good news with your mouth, in word, and in action. We see that all over Acts. Forming diverse communities where people are equals. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. These guys are in. These guys are in. We're going to go get the Romans. We're going to go get the Pharisees. We're going to get everybody into this diverse community because that's how big Jesus is. And we have diverse communities. Trusting in the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. How's your Holy Spirit barometer? As you're moving through your life, are you like, Lord, is this the right path? Who am I? What am I doing here? 
How is that conversation, that relationship? Because it's entrenched in Acts. It's all over Acts. And it didn't just stay in Acts. It's with us today. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit indwelling in your heart. If you haven't, let us talk to you about it. It will change your life. One of the things I got to do this weekend, my nephew graduated, and I'd really been thinking about how, like, a, a good gift for him in his graduation. And so I got him some cool stuff that he wanted, like an awesome pocket knife and uh, a bunch of cash. But what I did with the cash is I got him an every man's Bible. A really cool, I like it a lot, I think I want to get one, as I went through it. And I messed it up for him because I went through it, and Carrie and I highlighted a bunch of spots in this Bible. And when I gave him the Bible, I was pretty emotional because I know that he might think the treasure is the $20 bills that are shoved in all of these spots where we highlighted. Not all of them. We didn't have that much money, Um, but a fair amount. It was a good gift. And that I know that the treasure is not the $20 bills. Those are going to be gone in a short order. But the treasure is what he does with this workbook. The treasure is that this is not a coffee table ornament. The treasure is that this is something that's opened and highlighted and notes written and you're passing on a legacy to your kids and their kids and their kids and they might get great-grandpa Braden's Bible. And as he went through life as a young man and learned what it looked like to find a godly woman and learned what it looked like to be a godly husband, learned what it looked like to be a godly father, and then he kept notes and he documented things, and this is the legacy. It's not the $300. And so as I think about that for all of us today, what is the legacy that we're here for? What is Acts 29, our chapter? Where do you need to be absolutely unhindered and bold in your faith towards Jesus. We are here to equip that. This church, this family, we're here to equip that. This isn't a guessing game. You just got to choose. Say, yes, I'm ready to go. What do I need to do? Let's equip. Let's go. And part of that goes back to our mission and vision. I want to take this time for us to go to the reason why we're here today, the reason why we come to church. As we share in common alley, we gather to scatter we share and we worship. We hear hopefully good message from the word of God and it is placed in our hearts. And then we celebrate with communion at the end. So if you're new with us and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, but you didn't get one of these things because you're like, I don't know what that is. Raise your hand uh, and, and our guys will get that to you. There you go. Got one over here. And we'll get this to you. But we do this every week at our church. It is something that is very important to us that we are always centering back on the kingdom of God. We're always centering back that this is why we would go to a church. This is why we would enter a building. It's because we have something worth talking about. We have a sacrifice that was made that has changed our lives forever, and we're still talking about it. And so we'd love for you to join in celebrating with us if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took this bread And we had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, this is for you. Remember what I did. Remember who I am. Let's remember. 
In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. Whenever you, whenever you drink of this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's remember who Jesus Christ is in our life. Lord, I thank you for this time that we've had as a church. I thank you for this time that we've had to really skip across the book of Acts and try and pull out some, some lifelong principles that we can chase, Lord. I ask that it would just marinate upon everybody's heart and soul here, Lord. I ask that you would be the stirrer of questions in your children. Lord, I ask that you would take them to good places in their text, that we would have workbooks that we're involved in, that we would care about the things that you care about, that we would see things and perceive things the way that you want us to, and that we would hear things through your ears, not our ears, Lord. And I ask you would help that we would be unhindered and then any of us that have any hardness of heart, Lord, you would just help us to, to chisel that off and do it in community, do it in worship, and do it in your word, Father. Lord, we dedicate this time to you. We love you. We praise you. We say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.